In this era of grave spiritual crisis, it is not enough to simply know about your Catholic faith. That is why we need a Catholic toolbox to equip us with the practical skills necessary to live our Catholic faith to reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven for all eternity. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Join us every Tuesday night at 8pm for the Catholic Toolbox as we hand you the tools to go forth, live the faith and change our modern world today. Live on The Voice of Charity. Welcome back to another week on the Catholic Toolbox, the art of practical Catholicism. I'm your host and founder, George Vanessa, here as we equip you with practical tools to live your faith in our modern world of today. We bring back a familiar face here, Shaba Raish, founder and director of Perusia Media. Welcome back to the show. Thanks very much, George. It's always good to be with you. It's always good to have you, Shabel. So uh, you've been a busy man lately with uh, organizing yeah. <laughs> a fair few things uh, going on. You want to tell us what's what's been happening? Well, this year, uh, 2023, it's been the year of um, events. Thanks for the guide. You can tell um, last year was, I guess, people coming out, um, you know, from lockdowns and that the year before. And, uh, and so that was the beginning. And there's still a few people sort of not ready uh, to come out. But this year has started out uh, with a bang, um, literally from the first month of the year up until now, it's been nonstop. Um, mission school in Armadale. We had uh, Christopher West in, in January. We had um, the Youth uh, Purpose Retreat. We've had the convention with the Chaldean Church. That's all in January. I, I've not ever had to go to four or five different events. The, the Croatian Men's Breakfast. There's, there's a whole bunch of things happening in January. And that was not that was then in February, early February. We had then a big event with the uh, Divine Innovation Conference and 500 people all over Australia, New Zealand, leaders in the church. And then, and we haven't even had our own, um, yeah, you know, our first event off the off the rank was Joelle Marin. And so then we had her in March, and that was a great book launch. And then now in April, we just finished a conference with Unbound and, and Neil Lozano. Um, I've I've been travelling uh, just across all over Sydney and uh, just some uh, to Victoria, uh, Canberra and a bunch of other places, sharing lots of um, Bible studies, uh, testimonies, book launches. It's just been very busy up until now. So it's been very exciting and what a busy year. I mean, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I, I remember last year's fundraiser here at Perusia. <laughs> no one wanted to stop talking because uh, it, yes. it was just that energy there where people were reconnecting, they were locked down for a while. You couldn't have the. Yeah. I remember many years back in 2020. Yeah, <laughs> uh, guy, uh, I was with you and uh, Matthew Herman, just looking at event, um places uh, places to uh, run your fundraiser event, and everything just shut down for two years. And you yeah. can just feel, yeah, last year, as you said, the momentum wasn't so much there, but people were excited getting back into it. And this year, it's just a blast. It's a complete blast, yes. and. Um, you've been doing a lot and that that just show, that that illustrates slightly what our topic is here for tonight and that is the lay apostolate lay people yes. are running apostolate taking matters into their own hands not relying on the ecclesiastical authorities to do it such as bishops and priests but us as lay people taking matters mm. into our own hands and that's something the second vatican council called for in its dogmatic constitution of the church and um and especially it spoke about the universal call to holiness and it called lay people and re-empowered lay people to take action and go out there and evangelize in the secular sphere, but also run apostolates that can attract people and bring people to the faith. Um, I think it's something for the Second Vatican Council that everything was sort of run through the church, by the priest, by the parish. Uh, there wasn't this uh, great lay apostolate where different lay people with their own individual lay freedom starting apostolates and, and and doing it in their sort of way. 
And I think Perusia Midi has been an absolutely tremendous apostolate for the greater good of uh, the, the church in Australia uh, and worldwide now and, and the great work that you do. Um, but let's Thank speak you. a little bit about Perusia Media. And that, that might explain to us uh, what we're trying to get at here tonight. Uh, speaking about lay apostolates, where people take matters into their own hands and find a way that they can tr contribute to the life of the church and bring people to the faith and strengthen people's faith. But let's speak a little bit about Perusia Media here in Australia and worldwide. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Um, yeah, I remember um, just the idea. How did the idea of an apostolate come about? It was mainly out of a need for myself. And it, and, it, and it started with myself wanting to get resources. From wanting to get those resources, I then wanted to share these resources. From that, then it turned into me inquiring how to get more resources from America and, and the idea of licensing came in. And, and so then I found, I had a real passion for getting good um, CDs and DVDs out to people. That's how it all started from, a, from I guess, a passion, a desire to, to, to teach and spread the truth. And from there, it formed into, you know, I remember sitting down with Anthony Suka, um, uh, who's, in a, who's in a wheelchair. He, we came up with the name Perusia together, a Greek word for the second coming and presence of Christ. And uh, he, we registered the name Perusia Media. It was in May of 2005 we registered the name. So 18 years now we've been going. And uh, it started off just like that. We, we had a few titles and from there word of mouth spread and the demand grew and grew. And, and then about four years in, we wanted to do events. And that, that first Tim Staples event really took off. And from there we haven't stopped. And I, I remember being full-time in teaching and uh, my love for teaching was, was there. I love teaching. But there's the saying, um, the biggest obstacle to the next great thing is the current good thing. I'll say that again for people that they missed it. The biggest obstacle to the next great thing is the current good thing. So I really enjoyed teaching, but God was calling me to do even more. And, um, and I had to answer that call. And it was daunting. Um, it required a lot of trust and, uh, and stepping out in faith and giving up a, a salary, um, that stable salary to then just sort of live on providence. And that was hard um, to do, but my wife was behind me on mission and thanks be to God, we, we did it. And we've, it's been tight. We've had many, many months where I was last to get paid. You know, I would <laughs> would go without pay for a while, but then thank God we'll, we'll, we'll be able to pay the bills. And so it was very tight in those early years, but in the last, you know, I've been only full-time probably five, six years now. Um, and we're surviving, we're paying the bills and. And, and we've got a staff of six or seven. And I'm now I'm realizing there's so many people out there wanting to do something for God, for the church, and they don't know where to begin, how to go about it. So I'd love to, on this show to share a little bit of insight of what I learned over the years um, and what, how, to, how the first question for anyone is, what am I called to as a layperson? What can I do in an apostolate? We're all called to it. It's just a matter of finding out what specifically that is. Now the church, now Vatican II beautifully um, uh, uh, defined the universal call of holiness. We're all called to be saints, yeah. whoever we Amen. are, lay people, clergy, up until the Pope. We all have that baseline vocation to to holiness, to sanctity, and to become saints. Now yes. there's particular vocations or certain little vocations, particular calls that we may have, um, perhaps uh, to start an apostolate or to take an initiative that can benefit people um, uh, uh, and can change their lives, help the, help yourself. Obviously, you transform yourself, Charbel, through, uh, yeah. as you yeah. said beautifully, it started with you. And um, and let's go into that into that topic, open the toolbox and discuss the the idea of, uh, um, in using your, your story as an example, but how to discern where, uh, whether I'm called to start a particular apostolate Mm. Um, with yeah, based okay. on living my faith and holiness and then looking at a particular call after you've reached that call to, to live holiness, that particular call of a particular apostolate. Um, yeah, great question. I, um, I remember before I even got to start Perusia, I already dealt with the big question of what am I called to with the vocation side of things. So uh, assuming we've dealt with that, so if you've dealt with Am I called to religious life or married life or single life? You deal with that. You get that done first. And that's a whole episode I think you can do just on that topic. Um, 
but I spent years discerning whether or not I was called to be a priest. Um, I discerned, I did a 30 day silent retreat. I had a couple of years of speaking to spiritual directors, reading scripture, reading discernment books and dealt with that. And, and so, because, you know, sometimes it's not so hard to ask the question priest or married life or whatever it is. Um, it can be harder. The next question is if I was to be a priest, I remember this, would it be then a Maronite priest? Would it be a Roman Rite priest? Would it be a Latin Rite priest? Would it be a religious priest? Would it be a Franciscan and a Dominican, a Benedictine, a Lebanese Maronite order? Would it be a, a FSSP priest? So the list goes on and on and on. And so the so assuming everyone has sorted out that first big question, you're either married or single, or you're um, made a decision. You are if you're watching and you're you're a priest or a nun or in a religious life. So you've made that decision. The next thing is how do I support that vocation? So if we're, the topic tonight is on um, lay people. So say we're all called to holiness. Absolutely. It's not just up to the, the priests, the monks and the nuns to pray. <laughs> we're all called to pray. We're all called to sanctify ourselves, to sanctify our work, mm -hmm. um, to offer up as a sacrifice the work we do. And I love this beautiful um, saying, you know, St. Josemaria was, was a classic on this. A priest has an altar that he offers up sacrifice. At the altar in the church, he offers the bread and the wine, which is in replacement of the lamb, the, like the bloody lamb. It's the unbloody sacrifice. So no longer do you have to kill a lamb, drain the blood and do all that. But it's the unbloody sacrifice. But the altar remains. There's a real altar. There's a real sacrifice taking place in the form of bread and wine. What is the altar of a layperson? And the altar of a layperson is you know, St. Joseph's workshop. At St. Joseph's workshop, he was there working at that bench. That's his altar. What about um, someone at a computer desk sitting all day? That's your, your desk is the altar for your work, offering up that sacrifice. What about a mother at home um, washing dishes? Well, that, that kitchen bench, cooking, cleaning, cutting, washing, that's your altar, <laughs> offering that up to God. What about then the ironing table? That's another altar. You see where I'm going with this. It's the workshop, the the computer, uh, the the um, driving. The if you're in deliveries, the steering wheel of your car, in your car, you've got an altar of sacrifice. So you offer up everything to God. So with that frame of mind, it doesn't matter what you do. By the way, obviously, it's all a sacrifice offered up to God. Every lay person can do that. Um, but now I think the bigger question is. How do you, once you're married or single, or how do you support your bigger vocation? Find out first, and I want to go through some steps here tonight. Yeah, um, sure. the, the things I had to ask, and in discernment I learned, was what are my God-given desires? So what do I enjoy? There's no point in me um, doing something I don't like doing. So imagine I, I went and, um, and I, I became, I don't know, an accountant. Um, that my postulate was to go into the corporate world and to do it. Now I'm, I'm my, uh, I guess my DNA is teaching. So I love teaching. Yeah. Accounting is probably the last thing on my mind, <laughs> but so it wouldn't be right that I just force myself to go to accounting. If I know my passion is in teaching. Yeah. So I, I love teaching and I love, I, now early on the big question back then when I was younger, I loved sport. I loved doing all that. So my first, job was a PE teacher. I did phys ed. I taught sport. I taught fitness. I had a so I had an undergrad degree in, in personal development, physical education. I had other um, certificates in, um, in, in gym instruction, personal training. I had a license in all that. So I lived my vocation that way. But then this, but, and there's a postulate there. But then the next thing was through teaching, I then, I was drawn more to teach religion. And I did the theology degree. And when I did my master's of theology, I, I then switched from PE to religion. And through that, I, I, I got a love and hunger for it. And it, it just fit perfectly. And I love teaching religion. But then um, as I was bringing out speakers, I knew there were, weren't many people in Australia bringing out speakers. And I had a passion for introducing people to, the, to these world expert speakers. So... I guess naturally what happened was my desire, my God-given desire, I had to line it up with what gifts I had. I'm not really good at um, 
um, I guess, writing reports or uh, in politics, so this is not my forte, or, um, you know, the, the, I'm not very good mechanically with things. I'm, I, I may not be good on the tools, so to speak, <laughs> um, but my strength lies elsewhere in other things. And so in, in networking with people, with organizing things, with getting events going, getting things off the ground, with getting people um, motivated in the faith, with teaching the faith, spreading the news and having that, that um, the skill set there, I knew quickly that the apostolate I was going to do in Perusia was going to line up there. So I had a passion for teaching. I had a passion for the truth and I had a passion for sharing it. And then it was, what am I good at? And so it was a matter of networking, organizing talks, organizing uh, speakers at parishes. And that's how it all started. And from there, it, it, it sort of... Um, organically evolved to, to grow further in its offerings to book publishing to um podcasting like this um radio uh, tv uh now we're, we've also got courses that we're offering at perusia academy so it's developed and it's evolved and it's it's um it's matured over time and i feel like i am living the dream i'm now running an academy teaching the faith to adults so my classroom has changed from a for the four walls of a high school to the world <laughs> so now teaching people on zoom teaching people um online teaching people in face to face and my students are adults and they range and so it's, it's quite interesting i'm teaching the parents of the students i used to teach um <laughs> so it's quite beautiful to see um i love it and i and and so i'd love to flesh this idea of how do you then know your talents and that, that that we can probably go on that a bit further on but that's the start my lining up your um your passion your god-given desires with your god-given talents and i think once you unite them there's a match made in heaven right there and then you, it, the rest comes uh, very smoothly and, and easy so it's sort of uh, as they say many um, times you hear often in um in talks or discussions about discerning a vocation is that align your will to god's will using faith and reason so obviously the reason side of things is if you're not good at accounting you don't enjoy it it's not for you um and what god may want you to do to line them up your skills and talents with um with with the one so, vocation we know for sure the certain vocation we're all called to the universe we all have a universal call to holiness then you have to yes. as you're saying discern the 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 particular state in life vocation yes. that you have you're married or a priest if you're married yes. um very important professional that may be a teacher then then a particular apostolate may be along that line maybe on that trajectory or or similar yes. to that trajectory yeah but but let's Absolutely. go back to the discussion about how do we discern what we're passionate about because uh, you often see people from time to time, they're, they're confused. They come to me and, you know, ask me for advice or they're confused. They don't know what they're passionate about. Um, you know, they can be passionate about a lot of things, but then lose, lose enthusiasm about it on a human level. How do we discern what we're actually passionate about? And many people listening might be in high school and think about what they're going to do after they finish school. This will really help them, I think. Yeah, very good. To understand, um, there's a difference between um, worldly pleasures and happiness and long-term joy, a deep joy. The difference between the two, one is on the, is a superficial thing. So I like, um, I don't know, I, I like having ice cream. You know, I, I love I love desserts, and it's not the real love. It's just a like I'm enjoying those. I like watching action movies. I like listening to um, music. I like um, Certain things, you know, fashions, foods, music, all those types of pleasures, you know, whether it's driving fast, whether it's uh, snowboarding, skiing, um, surfing, what is it that you like, right? We're not talking about just that. That's that's on a surface where things that give you pleasure. Hmm. Um, we're after a deeper longing, a deeper peace, a deeper joy. That's everlasting. So realistically for me, I get satisfaction out of teaching for me. Um, for some, I used to be shy growing up, and then I remember I, I became school captain at school and I had to start giving public talks. And I remember how nervous I was. And eventually, then joined in, in the seminary. I had to give my first public talk on the faith, and I remember how nervous I was there. 
It was with Father John Flutter, actually, on the rosary. It was my first public talk on the faith uh, 20 years ago. Wow, wow. And I remember being super nervous. Now, if you, know, if you were to tell me 20 years ago, I'll be speaking to thousands of people in audiences, I would have laughed at you. I would have said, there's no way. But then once I got over that first hurdle of my shyness, my being embarrassed, I built a confidence and I started to enjoy it. It was that teaching arm that I knew gave me peace. I knew when I was in front of people and I was teaching the faith, sharing the faith, I was also learning the faith and, and re-strengthening um, my faith every time. So I applied that and, and realized, okay, this is a desire I really have. And, and for anyone looking at it, what's giving you satisfaction? What's giving you that deeper peace? And it could be someone who, if, you, if, you, if teaching or is not your thing, Sometimes it could be helping um, children. It could be um, a lot of people in early childcare area. It could be um, tools. Some people are very handy on the tools, very mechanical uh, minded. So if you are in the mechanics or in engineering, um, you know, people love that. And, and, and that's a desire. You like it, you get satisfaction out of it. Um, then you go for it. Some people are really good at mathematics. And so then naturally for them, you know, accounting might be good or teaching maths or whatever it is in, in, in some sort of science, um, English, storytelling, writing books, writing um, uh, novels. Some people have a career out of that, you know, and, and have made a big living. Artistic, you could be one that loves drawing or loves creative things. So finding those things that give you satisfaction, a deeper joy and peace is, is the key. And I think you're looking for the long-term goal, not the short-term um, pleasures, if that makes exactly. sense. So exactly. I, I would say start there. So let's talk about the next steps in discerning that vocation or that call. What are the next steps, Charville? Yeah, very good. So once you've established what your God-giving desire is, and remember, it's not superficial, it's not short-lived, it's a long-term deep satisfaction, something that gives you meaning, something that gives you proper satisfaction, fulfillment, then the next obvious question is to discover what your talents are. So Jesus made it clear in the, in the, in the um, parables. Remember the parable about the talents? And I remember a lot of people mix up this. They think he's talking about money. He used money as an example, but his point was not talents as in money, but talents as in your skills, your actual skill set. So remember, he gave the first man 10 talents, and then he invested it and made another 10. The second yeah. man, five, invested it, made five. To the, mm -hmm. to the man he gave one, he buried it. He didn't want to lose it. And he returned that one. And you might be thinking, what did he do wrong? He did nothing wrong. He didn't lose it. He yeah. just gave it back to him. Yeah. The problem was he buried it. And, and here's the issue. And this is what I came across, especially in discernment. If you bury your God-given talent, which is your God-given skills, you are ignoring what God is screaming out at you. <laughs> Um, God is telling you with the skills he's given you to do that very, use those things. So if you are, like I said before, like say speaking, there are some of us that are called there. We are great teachers or speakers. And if you're not utilizing that talent, well, you're missing out on that. You, you know, if I, I'm not called to be a mechanic right now, I'm not good no. on the tools. I'm not very good working it out. So if I was to force myself to do it, I guess out of necessity, but I'm not living out my God-given calling. Yeah. So I'm this idea that talent. your parents want you to become a doctor or a lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> you've got to be careful. Is, we is shouldn't that... be forcing our kids into something they don't want or not even good at. And mm. many of us have done that. So yeah, the, the, this whole family has had a generation of doctors. Therefore, all my kids will be doctors. Well, you want to be careful if it's, if it's not their calling, well, you shouldn't be forcing them. Yeah. Um, we're all going to be lawyers. Therefore my kids will be lawyers. And, and again, it's, it's dangerous territory because we're forcing, we're, we're, we're forcing our children to go against God's will. God's will for that child and for all of us is to utilize our God given talents, our skills. There's no point if, you know, if I'm, if I'm artistic, right. And I'm, I can tell you, I'm not personally, <laughs> but there are people who are very good at drawing uh, we have, you know, um, Alejandro on the team at the moment. He he, he draws portraits and they come out exactly like a photo. The guy's got so much skill, he can do that. He loves it. That's his passion and that's his skill set. There are people who love storytelling, writing actual novels. 
And they, the dream is just to sit there on a beach with a laptop and just ride away. And, and those adventure books and, you know, those fairy tales or whatever it is, people have, a, I guess, a, a desire and a skill set in writing. Some people hate writing. People hate that. So you see, it's not the same for everyone. We're not made exactly the same. We're all got not only different desires, but different skill sets. Um, you know, yourself, you're good at organizing things, George. You know, there's no point you, you, within your expertise in engineering and all that background, you're applying that to your business and to your work and to your apostolate. And that's why you've got the Catholic toolbox. It's, it fits yeah. in within your, your engineering background, that whole workshop, yeah. whole being out on the, in, in the um, work field, in the, in the, on the job sites. This is where your passion and your skill set lies. That's not my skill set. So you see how we, we complement each other. So it's, exactly. it's, it's finding your skill set, investing in it, and turning those 10 talents God gave you into another 10. And so applying it and multiplying it. So for me, there's no good in me having a talent of teaching and not teaching. So I should be teaching others. And so my desire right now is to teach others to become leaders in the faith so they can go on and teach others. So I'm looking for students wanting to learn so they can go teach. So that I'm trying to invest my talents into other people so then they can go and expand the message. So this is the goal. Um, so I love teaching and I, I feel like that I could do that to the day I die. I could do it for hours. It's, it's so interesting. My wife and I are very different like that. I love being around people, about crowds, about, I could be all, it gives me energy. For yeah. other people, it drains them. The, the idea of being around crowded people, you know, events with lots of people, it's too draining, you know, for some. So we're all different and you wanna make sure we're, we're, we're trying to line up the desires with the skills and therefore you will be free. So that's step two is knowing your talent and utilizing your talent. Don't bury your talent, invest in your talent. Exactly. Because the problem is many, many people, I, I do believe many young people, many people in my generation possibly would have been influenced by factors of, you know, this false prestige or what do I need to do in life or uh, what the media or social media or family members, especially uh, Lebanese people, maybe uh, Chinese or India, the people of different yeah. cultures, you, you know, uh, often uh, tell me about this experience that, you know, they might guide a certain path because it's paved by their parents or, or external factors. So I think it's a real challenge, especially for young people today, where there's a lot of influences um, and distractions from being genuine about yourself. Yeah. To actually peel away from all that and do what uh, uh, what you're good at and what God wants you to do. Um, I'm sure you probably see, have seen or come across that issue, Charbel, in your personal experience. Yes, absolutely. Um, there's, a long, there's a lot of tension there because there's an expectation from others how to live your life. And end of the day, I like to remind people, it is if everyone focused on their own life properly, Yes, we help each other, but we've got to help each other discover their calling, not force or impose your, your will onto someone else's. That's forcing people. And, but so that, this brings me up to the third step, George. This is interesting that you mentioned that you probably didn't plan this, but the third step in discernment is to look at your situation. So well, not all of us are called to go to Calcutta like Mother Teresa did. I'm in Sydney. I'm in Northwest Sydney. My Calcutta, so to speak, is the people I work with is the people I come other people I come across. For for others, a mechanic, his his Calcutta are the are the people coming in with cars to repair his customers. You know, yeah. it, it depends. You've got to look at we're not all called to go on the other side of the world to be missionaries. Our mm -hmm. mission is here. So you want to look at your state of life. Also, the other thing is we can't underestimate, but being married with children, I if you have no children, there's one sort of expectation. Once you have little babies, there's another expectation. When you have older kids, there's a different expectation. And when you, those older kids get married and have kids, then there's another expectation. So you've got different phases in your life. So you can't be expected to do exactly the same thing in every single one of those phases. Okay. There could be different focuses in your life. So you want to step three in this whole discernment process is looking at where you are right now. That helps you understand what God's calling you. Where am I right now? 
So I'm, I'm now married. I've got, thanks be to God, maybe nine on the way. So I do have my hands full at home. I'm, I do do a bit of travel, but I've got it within reason. I can't be traveling all the time. I can't, it's not fair to my wife, not fair, or as it is, I'm already spending so many hours out to add even more. Now, I have got a couple of international trips coming up end of the year, but but I've got to make sure I try keeping them tight within a week, you know, or, or 10 days or something like that. Um, if, if I'm going out for a month or two months at a time, that's not going to cut it. That's not going to be right. So I can't do that, especially when I've got young kids. But once I get older, you know, the kids can start looking after each other or different expectations once then once the kids have all grown up moved on and it's just my wife and I at home then we both could travel and then now you know you're free you can do other things and so you can do other things Perusia might, Perusia might be a different look differently in, in 15 20 years time when all my kids move out then um imagine imagine what we could be called to them so things are different at different stages and so people have to analyze that we can't expect a newlywed couple to be doing what grandparents are doing you know we can't expect the same from everyone uh so you want to look at that state of life you've got to plant or uh you know basically what, what is it where you're rooted or where you're planted you've got a fruit from there you've got to you've got to invest where you are um if you uproot yourself unless it's crystal clear that god's making it un, you know un, like very clear you are called to go to calcutta or to, to Africa or to these poor countries and, and that's your calling. You've got to give up everything and go. And you know that you've got that 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 call, then go for it. That is your calling. If you're single, you do it. If you've if you're called to move your whole family to another country, people have done that. So um the, the third question is to look at my whole cultural um situation, my my state of life, the means. Do I have any other obligations? Some people I have to look after their sick parents or dying parents. Some people have to look after, um, maybe you've got adopted kids or foster. I mean, there's so many different, um, I guess, things to consider, but you want to look at your state of life because you want to be realistic about doing it. If we all want to be a, 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 you know, this idea of everyone wants to be an actor in Hollywood or wants to be, you know, some sort of star, well, be the star in your home, you know, be the depends on what you're called to maybe you are called to be an actor if you've got that skill set but not all of us are called to be actors and that's the thing look at your situation and be realistic about where god's calling you um and and that would be my my next uh, advice and uh it's just profoundly said i i love the way you articulated that with those three steps so basically step three is looking at your ordinary circumstance um, and and allowing yeah. that to be the sort of the the parameters or the constraints for what you're doing. Like obviously, if you have a family, your yes. main obligation is to your family. That's one constraint. You have your business, yep. or you have let's say some parents you need to look after. So fitting it within the constraints, and now those constraints change as your kids grow up, as you said beautifully. Yeah, and it's just so it's really looking at the now, Shabelle. That, that that that's what you're telling us what can I do now at this time? And it changes. And it, it, I mean, it's yes. so beautiful to think that we have to discern, we have to constantly keep discerning. That, that's what I love about Absolutely. it. It's not just, I've discerned everything. I'm 28, you know, I'm married, <laughs> um, run a business, uh, do these things. And those are the constraints and that's it. <laughs> I work within, yeah. like it changes. That's, that's the beauty. It's a living, it's a living thing. That's right. Amen. Amen. It will always change. But now that's up. That's the first three steps. There are two more. Enlighten us. Because how, how do we know what God's calling? I still haven't got to the core of there's two more things you got to do to sort of be a very sure. So those first three get you to that realistic. I, I wish I'm sure many high school students or people that are confused wish they met you earlier <laughs> before this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you've got to work, you know, you do it the hard way. Unfortunately, I did it the hard way. I made mistakes and I learned. I wasted a bit of time. I went to uni as a mature age student. I did a lot of things where, but all life experience. So, yeah, um, yeah. learned the hard way. But it's been great now in these uh, last, you know, 10, but 20 I'm sure years. But I'm sure you would agree with the idea that embrace the mistakes as you go go along. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's in there. There's a, there's a, a great saying, you fail... What is it? You fail to success. 
Does that make sense? So your failures, there's no such thing as failure, it's learnings. Yeah. You don't fail. The only failure is if you don't make it to heaven. Exactly. That's, failure. That's the objective. Um, outside of that, there's no such thing as failure. The idea of failure is you learn from that. If you don't learn from that, well, then you are failing because you're, you're deciding not to take out any, anything from that or, or making a change. Or you give um, so, up. Or you give up. Yeah. For and say, oh, I failed. That's it. Instead of saying, as, hey, look, I failed. Let's use it as a stepping stone. And the, yeah. the best example I can think, Charbel, is the gym. When you go to the gym, you don't go to the gym to just do your sets comfortably and not huff and puff. You want to be huffing and puffing and stretching your capacity to failure every time you work yes. out. And you stretch that. It's like an elastic band. Your fitness uh, your, it gets stretched out and becomes uh, bigger and bigger. And you're doing it to failure, basically. I mean, same with yes. business. You do it to failure and you you, you win. And it's just, it, I think it's, it, it, it's a big lie to tell people that, you know, to, uh, oh, don't, don't, don't fail, don't make mistakes. I think that's probably some of the injustice the schooling system does is we, if we get the answers yeah. wrong in the tests. Oh, it's a big failure. Memorize the right answers. Real life is trial and error, you know, and, 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 yeah. and really using that stepping stone to grow. That, that's what brings success well, eventually. I want to, I want to unpack failure on the, on step five, because step okay. five is, is about taking action. Yes. But can I talk about step four? Step Let's four is an interesting it. one. Let's go into it. Now that you've already looked at your desires, you've looked at your talents, and you've looked at your state of life, now what you've got to do is imagine. Imagine yourself in that state of life. So imagine, so, okay, I want to be, I want to be a speaker and an author. What does that look like? You know, what does that look like? So I imagine myself, fast forward, um, where am I? Can I see myself speaking in a stadium to thousands of people? Does that feel comfortable or is that scary? And if it's scary, if it doesn't give me peace, it's not for me. If I do feel like, okay, that's an impact. I'm good at it. I could teach, I could speak and it feels right as it gives you peace. Well then, okay, we, we can go somewhere. If you see yourself helping um, the poor and, and helping the poor, you're, you're getting so much satisfaction and peace. That's a good sign. So the idea is imagine yourself. This helped me a lot in my, my discernment years of priesthood. And I actually imagined myself what life would have been like if I remained a Muslim versus what I would have been as a Baronite monk or, or <laughs> and then married. And I imagined myself in different states. And I remember seeing myself either in, I remember looking at the mosque. I remember then as a priest going out and evangelizing Muslims in the mosque. I remember thinking that way. I remember just just imagining myself in different scenarios, in, in a cassock. What was that like? Versus in in a married state, you know, with kids, um, you know, telling uh, bedtime stories at night. And I and and I remember being in adoration, and and I I couldn't get this image out. I'm looking at our Lord Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, but but my wife, who wasn't my wife then, but she. she She's now my wife, Christine, was in front, in between our Lord and me. And I said, the only way this was going to work is if she was alongside me, together looking at our Lord. And now we're battle partners. And so we're now serving God. So I imagine myself in different states and whichever gave me the most peace, I knew that was from God. Because God gives you a deep peace. The devil doesn't. The devil comes and he'll stir you up. It's uneasy. And you know that's a sign from, from the dark side. You don't want to be uneasy god gives you a peace a freedom and that's where you know it's from the good side now, um, now if to hold you there uh sorry shabel uh yeah what's that uh, just uh, focusing a little bit on what that feeling of peace is we don't want to confuse that and this is where some people get confused is you feel good all the time and there's no struggle or there's no hardship mm. or constant struggle no yeah um it's important. Like I encourage people to do more reading on this. Uh, Saint Ignatius of Loyola talks about desolation, consolation, and he and he deals with this topic. But the idea is, um, it's we're looking for something deeper. The deep peace is from God, not a superficial feeling, not a superficial uh, short-term pleasurable thing, not not just looking at happiness in general. We're looking for a deep, long-term joy, 
And that goes back to that first desire, which is not just satisfaction, but fulfillment. And although raising kids is very hard, yeah. I'm fulfilled in knowing I can't imagine life without my kids. Uh-huh. Changing every nappy is not enjoyable. Uh-huh. But knowing that it's going, you know, I get that done, we move on, they're growing, they're starting to speak, you got to learn patience in parenting. I'm getting fulfillment, satisfaction. I know this is a deep desire, this is a deep piece I'm getting, knowing I'm doing the right thing. If I was ignoring my kids and, and avoiding them, I'm doing the wrong thing. You know, you, you know what you're doing right when you're, when you're doing the very thing you're meant to be doing. <laughs> um, just to, to hammer the point home, I, I don't know if it was Blessed Pierre Giorgio who said this or someone else. You know, he used to go and um, challenge people uh, to, to snooker games and stuff. And he would, he, would, he, would, he would even say, look, let's go to adoration first or he'll make bets with them. If I lose, I pay you money. If, if I win, you come with me to adoration. Stuff like that. He'll do that. <laughs> things like that. Um, but there was a point where someone—I I don't know if it was him or someone else—but the point was, if it was, if geez, if you knew this was, you got an announcement that you're playing pool and um, it's going to be the end of the world that night. What's your first instinct? The idea is, oh, I better quickly find a priest, go get a confession, and 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 say as many rosaries as possible, and quickly pray as much as I can in those last hours of my life to make sure I've, I, I'm, I make myself as holy as possible. Well, here's, here's the problem. You should already be in that state of grace. You should already be ready. We should always be ready. So you should have already have known to be to confession already. So you should already be clean. <laughs> the point is, if you're playing pool, at that point of time, for that moment of that day, you're doing God's will. If, you, if you've done all your uh, growing, if you've done... Everything required of you, you've done your jobs, you've done all that. And if part of your recreation is playing pool with friends and this is your time of bonding and in that time there is apostolate taking place and all that, well, if you're doing God's will, then you continue doing God's will. So you don't have to change tracks and say, oh, I better go and pray extra rosaries so I can make it to heaven. Well, you should already be on track to heaven because you've said your rosary already. You've Mm -hmm. said whatever you've committed to God. You've done, you know, what, what is your commitment? And you, you've got nothing to be afraid of. You're ready for death. You're ready for final judgment. So then the idea is, are we that ready? <laughs> are we really to that point of um, always living in the will of God? That, that type of thing. I think, so, it was, yeah, uh, I, I think it was St. Margaret Mary Alacoque um, um, that, that, that said, that, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure if it was, that you know, if you knew you were to die, very shortly what would you do um and she, i think it was i think it was her of our lord i, I i'm not sure what it is but she said uh, just continue doing what you're doing i mean if you're working continue doing what you are it's that yeah. naturalness that we're always living in the presence of god yes always ready to die always Amen. ready you're doing god's will in your ordinary circumstance sanctifying your yeah. work as um so Jose maria escriva said very uh, you know at, articulated so well the founder of opus day articulated very yes. very well that the midst of your ordinary circumstances that's where god wants you you know but it's just we're talking about the discerning of what mm. what we're going to do to become our ordinary circumstance so yeah um, but yeah let's continue on Amen. with the discernment yeah so that's the fourth step so the idea is imagine yourself in that state of life and that's four so you've done that now the last one, number five. Um, obviously, this all assumes you know, the prerequisite for all of this is prayer. So I'm not giving it its own step. Prayer is in and through all of this. So, so that goes without saying prayer. So I'm not giving prayer its own category. It's, it's, it's through every category. Prayer happens naturally. So the fifth one is after you've, and you know you've surrendered, you've imagined yourself, you know what's giving you peace. The fifth one is very simply this. Take action. <laughs> The, 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 it's basically take that first step and here's where the biggest thing the devil can get in the way here he a lot of people you know the, the, the people who live with life is the glass half full or half empty um, and we can have two aspects in life 
those who um, are, are a half full type, which is probably on my end, I, I'm very positive, I'm very uh, optimistic and all that. The optimist person, go out there and just do it. You know, I'm, I'm the type where I jump off the cliff <laughs> and uh, I grow my wings on the way down. That concept is I build it while I'm flying it. Let's get, let's get it going. <laughs> I mean, there are others though, won't start anything until it's perfect. So we have to make sure that before I make act, take action, I've got to do all the planning, act, uh, very good. I've got to do everything ready to go and it's got to be perfect. But here's the problem where you can fall in a bit of a trap. And, and I'll get, to, this is interesting. If I imagine myself, all right, it needs to be this. I need to make sure all my, across my T's, dot my I's, very good. But if I'm still not ready to go live, I'm still not ready to go public, I'm still not ready to step in, I'm just waiting on this last piece. I just, I, I, it needs to be perfect, you know? And then years go by and you start procrastinating because here's what happens sometimes. We have this, this excuse in our mind that I'm not going to start something until I know it's of the best level. Yeah. Here's, here's where the trap is and the devil can get them play with this. You were saying, here's what you're saying. I'm this thing that I need to start is not ready for my standard. My standard is up here. This is only here. We've got to be careful not to fall into pride because sometimes why won't you start something? Because it's not meeting your standard. It's good to have a standard. Absolutely. Please don't get me wrong here. We need to raise our standard. But don't let it get to the point where it becomes so um, unrealistic that you never begin in the first place. And why don't you begin? Out of fear of what? Fear of failing or fear of looking bad. Fear of not, not doing a good job. Fear of not being perfect. And because of that fear, you don't do anything. So here's where the devil gets you, both ends. You're waiting for it to be perfect so you don't begin. So he's already got you. You failed already because you've done nothing. And then if you fear to fail by doing it, well, then you might as well do it. What's failure? End of the day, it's failing to your... your um, your pride. You don't want to. Pride, you're, yeah. you're not going to look good. Be very yeah. careful. If your pride gets in the way of action, you're letting the devil in. We have to be able to let go. Just let go. There's got to be a point where it doesn't matter what people think of me anymore. This is what I know I'm called to. You've done all these steps. It's time to take action. Go for it. And then, and then here's how I've lived for the last seven years. I could say confidently, probably seven, eight now. Um, I, I said to the Lord, Lord, enough's enough. I'm not going to be turning every every stone unturned. I'm going to be door knocking every single church. I'm going to be doing all this. And I remember like going crazy. I, I can't save the world. I'm trying to, but I can't, I, I can't do it all. We all think we can. We're supposed to do what we're called to in our lane, in, in front of us. So what? here's what I, it's, it's freeing now. Whatever door opens, I walk through. Whatever door closes, guess what? Thanks be to God. It's God's will that it's not meant to be. God is saving you from something worse. So if you think, ah, oh, I had the opportunity and they keep closing the door, why aren't you answering my prayer, God? Well, yeah. I, I think the question is, God is answering your prayer. Lord, I don't know what your will is, but obviously it's not to go through that door. So maybe your will, maybe God's will is not for you to be that speaker in a stadium if it's not happening for you. Maybe your will is to be a podcast host. Maybe God's will is for you to do something on a smaller scale. Maybe it's to network others. Maybe it's to interview others. Maybe it's so many things. Um, so we've got to be careful not to inflate sometimes our dreams where, where we don't do anything towards them because we feel it's not up to our standard. Sometimes move out of the way, surrender to God, take your first step after all those other steps. And if the door opens, walk through it. If the door closes, thanks be to God, not meant to be. God's will be done. And either way, you're happy. Either way, you're satisfied. It's not my will, but thy will be done. And that's the beauty of surrendering, giving over to God, and just taking action. And that, I think, imagine this. Just think of the G Jesus and the apostles as he's calling each apostle. I love the scene when he's calling Peter. And he says, I, you know, today you're a fisherman, but I will make you fisher of men. This is profound. He left everything and followed Jesus. 
are we willing to go that next mile? And that doesn't mean leave your wife, leave your children. It means, am I willing to give up my job if I have to? Am I willing to take that step where I do take a pay cut to do what I'm called to? Yeah, it's going to be tough. I might not be able to have holidays like I used to. I might not be able to buy all the eat out for, for a while. I may not be able to do the things that I was used to, but I have to take a sacrifice in order to do the, what God's asking me to do. And that's where I think there can be tension. So are we ready to surrender? Take action, take that first leap of faith and walk through those open doors. And, and the difference here is we're, we're accepting God's will either way. And that's where we live in peace. So I've lived like this for seven, eight years. Thanks be to God. For every child that came on, it's a blessing from God. I wonder how I'm going to afford this. And, and God somehow makes it happen. There'll be people sending um, clothes, you know, which are free or, or, or nappies or food. I mean, you name it. I mean, it's just so funny how it works. God provides in many different ways and we're okay. And, and none of my kids starve. They're all very healthy, thank God, and happy. And, um, and, and they've, you know, they, they've, they've got the faith. And what more could you want? The idea is to, to live out God's will and be happy with whatever happens and carry that cross every day with joy. So they're the five steps. I hope that helps people um, in whatever apostolate they're called. That will help you sort of um, discover your apostolate or your calling as well. That's absolutely amazing. I mean, I just love that five-step process. I'm sure many people will be rewinding to the podcast <laughs> if they're listening here live yeah. on the radio station. Uh, and rewind this, re-listen to it, and take it back in, take it back in. The five steps to discerning, and let's go into some three practical tools. I know this whole thing is so practical, these five steps, but what are three practical yeah. tools? It could be three tools to start taking action to discern more effectively. I know that last step was to take action. Now, how can someone take action to well, discern yeah, but basically, then execute? Yeah. So remember, very clearly, uh, I would just remind people, and these would be the three most important, is um, number one, when you pray, ask God to make it clear, what am I desire? What do I, and be honest with yourself, maybe write it down. Write down what my God-given desires are. What makes me fulfilled? Write it down. Get to the, get don't just write like I like um, playing video games or I like social media. We're looking for something deeper, right? So what yeah. do you, what gives you fulfillment? Write it down. So that's number one. Get to the core of your, of your God-given desire. Find it. And it means start with just everything, everything that you, you think is um, pleasurable. That's fine. Start with that. And then, and just start going, um, you know, crossing out until you get to the one that really gives you fulfillment. Yeah. So I would do that first. Yeah. Second is yes. Analyze what you're good at. Write that down, write down. Like I'm, I'm actually pretty good at organizing things. You might not be good at organizing things. So don't write it down. But if you're good at organizing things, write that down. I'm pretty good at um, uh, networking. I'm pretty good at uh, tools. I'm pretty good at um, drawing, singing, playing instruments. I'm pretty good at, uh, uh, you know, teamwork. I'm pretty good at whatever it is. Find it, write it down. And, and so list your talents and list everything, right? I'm good at um, whether it's drawing, numbers, writing, storytelling, speaking, teaching, working with children, working with elderly, helping the poor, write a ball down. What is it you're good at? Um, like computers, programming, engineering, you know, you, you get what I'm saying. Write everything down and again, eliminate to the ones your top sort of yeah. hand. You know, because we don't want to fall best. into the order of perpetual discerners, as they call it, where we like no, to right. we're doing everything. You know, it, no. it's really that elimination that you speak of is very important where we yeah. really harness. Like you could like a lot of, a few things, but it doesn't mean there's something yeah. called to focus on. Really something that you're called to really harness in and focus on. That's what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Right. I, I would, as a rule, just go right down to your top three. Yeah. Trinitarian. Just think of your best three, your best three skills. And then just start seeing that at least it gets a bit more tangible. And then the last step is you... You, you not only surrender, you not only pray, but I would, I would start writing all the options 
with the realistic options of how imagining yourself in that state in the future, what would it look like? Um, and then can I encourage you? Know, I, I really want to do a course on this. This will be the third, within this third step is to plan out your apostolate. It requires a, quite a bit of planning. So you've got to think of your vision, your mission, your brand, your name, your service, your problem you're solving. Do you need a website? What does it look like? Um, social media platforms, yeah. communication, registering the business, bookkeeping. There's a lot of layers to any, any apostolate. So you, I really want to spill that out and I'm going to do a course on this in the academy to show people step-by-step step what I went through and what you need to go through legally and also spiritually. And then, and of course, practically just to make sure you get all the, all the, all the things required to run a proper apostolate. So, so step three was write it down, imagine yourself in it and look at all the options. And then again, eliminate <laughs> to the one that you think is the most realistic. In exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That's that's terrific. Three practical tools. Now let's speak about some events that are coming up this year. I mean, you've already done so much. I can't even believe it's May. <laughs> can you yes. ask? Can you believe it's May? I can't believe it's May. Um, no. And we have some a great event coming up at the end of May that you've organized. And um, we have in July as well. But let's speak about the uh, event that you have coming up in Perusia this um, 27th. Yes. Father Chris Ayla. Father Chris Ayla from uh, exactly. the Marian Fathers is coming out end of this month. So May uh, 27, 28, he'll be in Australia and he'll be uh, giving a tour around Australia. So he's going to, to Melbourne, to Brisbane, to Adelaide, to Perth, to Hobart, and also Solomon Islands um, and Sydney, of course. He starts in Sydney. He will give uh, five talks over the weekend. So we've got two on Saturday. So there's a mini retreat in Rouse Hill in the day, which is full. <laughs> And then at night is um, our Perusia fundraiser dinner, which we still have some spots if people want to uh, book a table or, or come and see him. Um, we also then have on the Sunday three talks. So it's Pentecost Sunday on, on May 28th. We'll be speaking at um, St. Patrick's Catholic Church, Blacktown. That's full as well. Yeah. Um, at three o'clock, it'll be at Patrician Brothers Fairfield at the school. We've got plenty of spots there. And these are for free. And then at night, St. Chabot's Punch Bowl. So... Um, I encourage people to spread the word and, and go to our website, perusiamedia.com, and you'll see all the schedule of events. Um, but the Fairfield one, we've got openings everywhere, everywhere else is, is yeah. amazing. I mean, this is going to be a big response. event. It's going to be a massive the event. The biggest so one we've ever done. Yeah. And, and there's not many seats left, I think, uh, at the dinner on the 27th no. of May. Uh, I no, we're running out of spots. I hope walk. your listeners come. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if, yes, if you're interested to come to Father Chris Allah, and um, Anna Nuzio will be there um, as well. Yeah, so she accompanies him. She's written a seat, uh, uh, um, produced a CD with Father Chris, a, a CD on the Rosary. She's also got a CD on the Divine Mercy. And she's got uh, six albums of music that she's composed. She's got a beautiful testimony, consecrated herself to Our Lady. She's coming actually um, this week. So uh, she arrives um, 10 days earlier and she'll be holidaying around Australia. She'll be um, sightseeing, doing all that. But she also will be singing not only alongside Father Chris, but doing some of our own events as well. So we've got a, a women's retreat at Marymount Mercy Centre, uh, May 24, the Feast of Our Lady Help of Christians. That's her birthday as well, by the way. Um, and she'll be giving multiple talks in parishes uh, in Melbourne at the, at the Divine Mercy Shrine. So, so she's going to be uh, at a few places. Uh, so on our website, we'll have all those details too. So hope people can come and see her as well. Absolutely. Book your, book your spot at the dinner. Uh, 27th of May Please. will be in the Bicentennial Park, Waterview. Um, the details yes. are online there. And that's going to be big. Uh, I'll be there myself. Uh, the Catholic Toolbox will be there. Um, there'll be many different people there. So hope to see you there at that event. Awesome. I hope so. Thanks, George. And it's, it's always good being with you. Keep up the great work at the Catholic Toolbox. And um, we're excited. Uh, we also, if I can do a quick shout out, July, uh, Deacon Howard coming and we're working together on a big event, a cocktail party with Deacon and, 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 and God willing, we'll have your book ready to go. Book number two or number three, but two in a series of Catholic books. Of the Art of Practical Catholicism. My book is, second yeah. book is coming out. So the Art of Practical Catholicism. Um, and uh, yeah, the Catholic Toolbox will be hosting our first event. That is, uh, a, a, yeah, a cocktail with uh, a meet and greet with Deacon and myself and Perusia. And we're, it, it's a way 
Uh, I love networking. That's something I've decided yeah. in my life. That's it. You're good <laughs> at it. Put people together, Catholics together. People, if you're not Catholic, you're absolutely welcome to network with each other, learn, listen, socialize, and we can uh, come up with good networks from there. Hopefully everybody can network and develop good connections there. Um, awesome. Absolutely tremendous. But thank you for tuning in to the Catholic Toolbox. Thank you for being with me, Charbel, here this week. Anytime. God bless. So thank you for tuning into the show. I'm your host and founder, George Manasseh. Until next week, don't forget to download the podcast on the Catholic Toolbox, wherever you get your podcasts. And go to the website, thecatholictoolboxshow.com to subscribe to the weekly news alert. I'm your host and founder, George Manasseh. Until next week, God bless, take care, and take action. In this era of grave spiritual crisis, it is not enough to simply know about your Catholic faith. That is why we need a Catholic toolbox to equip us with the practical skills necessary to live our Catholic faith to reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven for all eternity. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Join us every Tuesday night at 8pm for the Catholic Toolbox as we hand you the tools to go forth, live the faith and change our modern world today. Live on The Voice of Charity.